just been a very forward planning in looking how my holidays for January should look. Ooh. And hello. Yeah, I know. And um, I think we've talked about that I managed to build up time in lieu and all of those sorts of things pretty easily. <laughs> yes, yes, we have. Uh, even, and, and I did the, I put in like all of the Mondays that I can have off just this quarter mm-hmm. and I still have 13 days time in lieu in hand. <laughs> Um, I, I'm so envious. <laughs> and then well, I have another. Look, yeah, no, look, I, I know that you work very, very hard to actually get that time in lieu, but just the idea of being able to have a whole bunch of Mondays off—it sounds so nice. Oh yeah, the problem is it's way less this term than last term, uh, uh. because people persist in putting meetings on Monday night, and I'll be asked if I'm taking the day off, uh, and then going into work for a meeting. Oh, no. um, so that's not a thing. No, that's not um, fun. But I'm also already, already, I am planning that next. Next quarter, I'll mm. put another 13 days on top of that. <laughs> Bloody hell. So I just had to work out how I could spend some. Mm. And because there is a pretty sizable you know, young adult leaders conference happening in Adelaide in uh, the middle of January, in the Adelaide Hills too, like let's burn us all. Why, why do that? <laughs> Except for the fact it's a short drive to some wineries. Why do that to us? Um, I've worked out how I think I can spend 18 of those 26 days. <laughs> Well, that, that, that is very, very productive. And I don't know what my new boss is going to say about that. <laughs> I was going to say, you want to hear a contrast to that, Stephen? How's life going for you, Dave? Well, in, in terms of planning, yes. a, a, as you know, we're very, very excited going to Cambodia. It's, it, it's Great. It, it, it feels like it's on the horizon now. Like, it's this term. Like, it's you know eight weeks wow. away or something. And uh, Rach and I were uh, talking about, you know, a bit of the planning stuff. And we've come to the conclusion that, you know what, we'll book some accommodation for the first couple of nights in Phnom Penh, and and then we'll make sure we're at the airport in Siem Reap two and a half weeks later to come home. Wow. And as for the rest of the holiday in Cambodia, we'll just make it up as we go. So, yeah, I, I, I think we're kind of at the extreme other end of that spectrum of what you just talked about. Yeah. So that's going to be a very different holiday for us. Very, very different. Well, not so much for you and Rach. Definitely for the kids. Oh, no. No, for for me and Rach. Really? You guys didn't have, like, the, the backpacking... Oh, no, uh, never. No, oh, this, really? This is going to be Rach's first trip overseas as well. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and even just, you know, travelling around... Um, travel that we've done around Australia like our trip to Uluru you know, was you know, practically uh, planned down to the hour in, in terms of accommodation and all this sort of stuff and um, yeah like we're, I guess we were a little bit more uh, you know, a bit loose on the way back from uh, the Gold Coast last time and we sort mm. of because we decided we were going to free camp on the way up and down and so we sort of just I made it up a bit as we went along as to where that would actually end up being. Yep. But again, it's a bit different sort of going, where shall we stop on the central coast with our caravan to... Yes. I'm sure there'll be somewhere in all of Cambodia where we can stay. Well, see, my, 
in my limited experience in traveling overseas, which I will admit was on the company dime and mostly to America and Canada, um, I was told early on, even though it was all planned anyway, um, that the people at the customs thing might actually ask to see what's your itinerary, where are you staying? Mm -hmm. Um, And at least in that context, because I sort of went, oh, here it is, I can show you on my phone. I went, oh, that's all right. And I said, is that a problem? They said, we we tend to not um, look kindly on people that don't have the bulk of their accommodation booked. There you go. Now, that's Canada and America. I'm sure it's a little bit more flexible. Look, Um, (laughs) I was going to say, given that at Cambo, you can still get a visa... um, literally in the airport after you've hopped off the plane. Just like Bali. <laughs> I don't know that they're going to be too uh, too stressed out about that. Um, I, th- I think that they, they get more worried about, um, have you got, you know, can you prove that you have some access to some funds? Yeah, sure. That, that's, Show us your cash. Yeah, that, that's, uh, well, yes, either you know, a donation or at least a proof that you have some. But, uh, yeah, so... Going to be a very different type of trip, I think. Very different. Yeah, and then some, mate. It's going to be well, certainly for the kids to be. Well, this is where are we staying tonight. <laughs> I don't know yet. Well, don't you mean which town are we staying in? <laughs> which yeah. country are we staying in? Yeah, we've worked that out. <laughs> that much we at least know, because we haven't we haven't bothered chasing visas for uh, Thailand or for um, Vietnam. So I think there's. Plenty of Cambodia to um, keep us busy for a th- you know, three weeks. Yeah. Mm. So there you go. So anyway, back to your story though. So mm-hmm. January, you've got time off in January. What are you going to well, do? Well, no, no, I, ha- I don't have it yet. Okay. This was just the planning to ask to say, hey, can this be a thing? Because I want to kind of get... When you work in, in like anything to do with young people, particularly around schools and, and you know, universities and stuff, January is a great time to take a break. Because generally, there's not a lot on. Yep. So, me interrupting my time in the middle of it for that Adelaide um, Young Leaders Conference um, isn't so bad. I'm technically, like, I, I think we've, we're closing up shop in the office on the Friday, the, what's that, 24th, 20th, I think right. it is. Right, yep. Um, and then they give us a day off gratis. I think that's going to be Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my plan is to not be back at work. I'll go back to work for the 16th so that I can just make sure that I've got everything that I need to go the next day to Adelaide. Um, and that's through to the Sunday and then have the following week and, you know, the Australia Day long weekend and back to work. Right. Yep. That's the plan. That Unless they like tell me I need to take more. That sounds like a pretty good plan. Oh, it's, look, it's, it's pretty... It's pretty workable. Of course, mm-hmm. I'll then face the same problem of somewhere around April or May. Mulk, you need to take some time off or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'll deal with all of those things. Oh, right. So, so what, my question is, why do you bring this up, Stephen? What, do you, are, you, are you fomenting a plan? Oh, look, I, I, well, I, I did it because I wanted to, as much as anything, get it a bit organised. Also, so I knew that if I'm going to use my time in lieu, to not use it all up. Uh, of course. Well, that, that, that's it. Because you want to save your holidays for, you know, holidays. Actual holidays. Yeah. Or if I, you know, have a cardiac incident. Um, <laughs> I've got... Well, well, I'm pretty sure that should be covered under your sick leave. <laughs> yeah, but, but sick know. leave runs out, right? Oh, uh, well, well, I guess so. Yeah, Standard so... open heart surgery is a six-week recovery time. Mm, yeah, okay, I see your point. I do see your point. Not that I'm expecting it, but I'm more likely than you are. 
Look, probably. Uh, and and I, I'm also lucky enough that uh, because our uh, leave system is a bit uh, of a pain to use and because, you know, I'm all the way down here on my own and there's no one to really check up on me, even when I have a sick day, and it's not like I take a lot of those, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I usually don't end up putting them into the leave system. So I have got, after 15 years, a lot of accumulated sick Yeah, leave. I can imagine. I can imagine. A so you lot. could legitimately have a cardiac incident I could. I reckon use I, all of it in sick leave. I think I've... Yeah. Yep. I think I could. Uh, let's see. Six weeks. Oh, yeah. Easy. Yes. Yeah, six weeks. That's only like 30 days off. Mate, I'm, I'm stomping on that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, there's the problem, right? I'm, I'm two years in October yeah, yeah. Um, for this. So I think last time I looked at it, I had something like, 680 hours of accumulated sick leave. Oh, wow. Oh, my so, gosh. Yeah, I've done all right. <laughs> you people that stay in one job make me sick. It's weird. It's, someone was talking to me the other day about how, like, there's no such thing as people, you know, even our age, who, you know, just get a job somewhere and stick at it. And I'm just like, well, almost no one, maybe. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's me. Shakes fist at Millennial Cloud. And there's my mate, Alex, who's been... Like my mate Alex has worked for a bank. Yes. Uh, ever since he left high school. Wow. He started as a teller. Wow. And now does you know something where he has like important. He, he, well, this is the thing. Like the more promotions he gets, the fewer people he has to deal with. Great. Well, it, well, it, is. it seems like a great system. How does like, that work? Well, see, think about it. Like, he started out as a teller. And, yes. And there he saw, you know... Anyone uh, that walked in. An enormous part of the population of the little town we lived. And then he, he moved up from there into uh, personal loans and stuff like that. So, you know, the, slightly fewer. And then it was like, you know, mortgages and stuff like that. And then he moved into business banking. And then as he's gone into, like... He keeps going, and, and like the clients he gets have like bigger and bigger balances, and he so he has to see fewer and fewer of them. And it seems like a pretty good deal to me, Monk. Well, it does. I mean, I guess it depends on what your marker on dealing with people and whether you were enthused or energized by that and those sorts of things. Are. I totally get that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I like I look back in my very checkered career, work career. Um, and think, oh, there's, there's only probably a couple of jobs that I wish I'd managed to stick or keep stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the I think we talked about before, it all comes back to if I'd made a different decision in uni, um, might not have this family, you know, might not know you, all of those sorts of things. Yeah, it's it, 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 you can very, very quickly sort of, if you go down that path of, Oh, if I'd just done this slightly differently, you can very quickly unpick everything else in your life as well. Oh, but- yeah, no, I've got a couple of really distinct sliding doors moments. Um, yeah. But the, the the reflection as much as anything is jobs since I've been married to to Michelle. Mm. Um, there are a couple that I would have loved to, to stay in. Yeah. Um, and, you know, have that growth development. Oh, mate, I'd be going stir-crazy if I was still in it doing the same thing, to be frank. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for whatever reason, not there, didn't do a thing, not not a part of the whatevers. And now, however, um, get to be in a pretty amazing situation, which is a bit different, a bit engaging, you know, stuff that for me connects me to my faith and allows me to, to, to do a whole bunch of that sort of stuff. It's great. It'd be mm. nice if I was paid like my last job, but that's never <laughs> going to happen. No, funnily enough, I don't think churches really have the same sort of budget that mining companies do. 
No, and I can't understand why. <laughs> you know, honestly. Well, well, I was going to say, to be to be honest, when it comes to accumulated wealth, they probably do have as much. Well, do- if we well hang on. Get- sorry, sorry. My people probably have that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's I mean, it. I mean, all of it that isn't, you know, bloody um, gold-plating the walls at the Vatican, of course. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but- mate, mate, it's not all plating the walls of the Vatican. Uh-huh. Like, honestly, a lot of churches... I, mean, I know how the United Church works. I'm sure the Catholic Church works in a very similar way. There are very formal property trusts and all of that oh, stuff God, is for yeah. the work of the church. And so, um, you know, if, for example, a congregational minister decided to, to hold a coup and up and leave, sorry, kids, you don't take the building. Just give us the keys mm. and, and we'll see you later. Or we can sell it to you for current market value, um, which is never oh. usually a thing. But see, mate, what you're, what you're forgetting, though, is that, um, mate, the Catholics don't just don't have churches. They have schools. They have oh, lots yeah. of schools. Mate, and they not... have old people's homes. Yes. They, they, you name it. Mate, they, they, they would just rock up, you know, in, in any town, go, oh, we'll take, like, this third before anyone else gets here and then just watch things grow up around them. Like, there's yeah. an, an, an entire massive block in the Albury CBD that is nothing but properties of the Catholic Church. Mate, and it's that, astonishing. It's one of the things that they're doing. You see it particularly in country towns, right? If there is a hill, the yep. church, the Catholic <laughs> yes. Church and all the school are on top of it. Yep, absolutely. Um, Ca- because, Catholics like a view. <laughs> mate, they like a view and they know how to work it. Um, no, but that's an interesting thing, right? I mean, the, the United Church is not much different. Um, we're not in schools not as so heavily, <laughs> but we are the largest non-government health supplier in the country. Wow. Um, when you put together all of the work of lots of places, it's called different things. Uniting, Uniting Care, used to be Blue Care, used to be Blue Nurses, all of that sort of stuff. Um, there's lots of different service arms that fit in and do other functional things and work with it. We are in some schools, not as much as the Catholics. Um, so, you, mate, there's no question the Catholics have got it made in the shade. <laughs> We're doing well, well, okay well, no. with our little patch. <laughs> yeah, right up until the point when someone says, "Excuse me, could you pay pay reparations to all these people who you've horribly victimised over you know, decades?" At which point they go, "Oh, we've got no no, no dosh, no, 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 no cash, no, no cash." No Just cash. take one of the golden plates off the can't, wall of the van and that'll you, cover bastards. it. Anyway, let's not let's not go down that path oh, tonight. Uh, well, look, the, the, and and the Uniting Church, to its credit, are uh, uh, we've signed on to the national reparation scheme. We're a part of all of that. Uh, we're really keen to make sure that we do our bit because it's not just cash. From our perspective, there's counselling opportunities, there's uh, intentional development stuff, there's uh, our moderator or the head of you know each state's body of the church um, have the chance to look. Can we come? Can we apologise? And it, there's a formal process in that. Um, as a, if if the person involved wants to be a part of that, so there's lots of effort that goes into it. Should you know, people uh, choose to take that up if they've been in a position where they've been harmed. So there's those kinds of things. However, this is just a little bit off the cuff. Uh, to learn today that the Queensland Property Trust, United Church in Australia, Queensland uh, Queensland City Property Trust, mm-hmm. has property to the value of, I'll throw it to you, Dave, how many, and it is in the millions, for all of Queensland, all of just our property in Queensland. So that includes Wesley Hospital. Oh, that includes um, schools, churches. We've got two church slash cathedrally kind of churches in the city. Um, one opposite King George It'd Square. It has to be hundreds, Stephen. Hundreds. Yeah, there, there, there was um, the number that was quoted to me was many of the hundreds. Yeah, yeah I'm thinking so. 
Yeah, and, and as I said before, Catholic Church lays us in the shade. Mm. Um, now, all of that is for the good of the church nationally. So if, for example, we did decide to sell off property or properties, then the intention is that that money would go to further the work of the church. You know, people have faithfully given that has that have faithfully paid for, developed those properties over time and years, and that's great. It's meant to be that kind of thing that we... It's not so, you know, Dave, you gave us some money, so here's your slice of the profits. Um, it's meant to go back into the work of the church and develop that. So it's really good and really positive. Uh, I leaned over to someone and just went, I'll take 1% and um, <laughs> just sort out youth ministry for the next 10 years. Thanks. Oh, yeah. Uh, dear. But of course, anyway. it's all assets, right? You've got to sell it to get it. This is, well, well, this is always the, the challenge. What's, uh, sorry, it's not all assets, but absolutely the majority is. Yeah. Yep, yep. Speaking of assets, Stephen, the, the, there are a few fewer assets in our house that hold this week. Oh, no, Dave, what's going on? <laughs> this is ominous. Did you take something down the recycling thing? No, I haven't yet, actually. Although, <laughs> although, although uh, we got some um, some furniture from Ikea when I was Great. in Canberra yes. uh, l- the week before last for work. And so now we've got a whole bunch of cardboard like that the stuff came in way, way too much to fit in our little recycling bin at home. Yeah. And, Stephen, I don't... Mate, you're, you're the nearest thing I, I have in my life to an ethicist. <laughs> what a sad state your life's in. Oh, oh wait. Well, anyway, don't, ju- don't judge me. Um, <laughs> there's a Because people who bring all their bottles to the bottle recycle depot thingy mm-hmm. obvi- often bring them in cardboard boxes, right? Sure. So there is like a full-size metal skip bin, like recycling bin, there at the bottle recycling station would it be the worst thing if i were to take my ikea boxes <laughs> and put them in the skip bin because it's a recycling skip it's not like i'm putting them in the rubbish but or, or do i have to take some bottles with me in no. the cardboard to make it ethical Mate, i would say especially because it is close to you just take them boxes up there and dump them in that skip yeah that's what i'm thinking <laughs> i might just do it after dark though yeah it might <laughs> I, I would have zero guilt about it uh, anyway, um, oh, but but yeah, back to the story. So yeah, the, the thing that that's missing, Stephen. Yes, we've lost a bike, and when I say we, I mean my son Rupert has lost oh, a bike. No. Rupert has lost the bike that he got for Christmas last year. No. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so it got stolen from school, which is uh, is very very frustrating. Oh. It uh, sucks. It is, and and wait, it's the circumstances around this that, that take Uh-oh. it from just like a uh to oh god. So his bike wasn't locked up. Yeah. So this was mistake number one. Okay, yes. he didn't have his bike chain on his bike because he was in a hurry, and so what he did was he like they've got like a little sort of uh, cage that has you know, uh, bike racks inside it and bits and pieces, and everyone's supposed to put their bike in there and lock it up. Um, the cage itself doesn't get locked, apart from mm. on the weekends. Which is a um, great reason for a cage. Well, if anyone leaves the bike there on the weekend, they can secure them, but you know, day to day, it's open. Uh, so he took it in there, and because he felt he didn't have enough time to, uh, to lock it up, 
He put it way down the end, away from the door, uh, past other bikes that were unlocked, uh, feeling that that would make his bike at least you know, not enough of a target. And he went back there at recess, which is like after two periods. So, so 80-something minutes later, he went back, and it was gone. Oh, so what? Now... The Sounds re- like it was being scoped out. Oh, well, here's the thing. The reason why he was running late and therefore didn't uh, tie up his bike mm. or didn't chain up his bike is because on his way in to school, he and his friend were stopped by the deputy principal. He said, guys, fantastic. I need a photo of some kids on bikes to put oh. on the school social media later today oh, because no. we want to promote the fact that the law's been changed in New South Wales to allow kids up to the age of 16 to ride on the footpaths as a safety measure. Oh, Can no. you just stop here out the front of the school while I take some photos? Oh, man. <laughs> so they did. Man, and, I was out and you sucked me back in again. And so that meant that... Uh, uh, yeah, he was behind schedule. He's got a roll call teacher who gets very grumpy if anyone's late. Didn't lock up the bike. A recess time when he went out to lock it up, she was gone. Oh, bike no. and his helmet both gone. That now sucks. It does suck. It does. It, it does suck. And he was really disappointed. And and look, you know, there was no ranting or raving from us. It was just like, oh, that that is horrible. But yeah, uh, I guess. You're just going to have to go without a bike until, well, for quite some time. So, yeah, there's natural consequences, which mean I don't think you will ever forget to lock a bike up again. Um, but uh, that's not where the story ends, Stephen. Oh, no. No. So, it was a bad week for Rupert because that was, I think, Wednesday. Thursday, he dropped and smashed his phone. Oh. So, he's not having a good week. Saturday, Rach and I were walking downtown. And like we'd put in a, a police report through like the normal thing, and because the school said, "Oh, you know, please make sure you do it." Yeah, like, and we're like, "Yeah, things. yeah, sure, sure." Um, thinking like we're never going to see this bike again ever. And Saturday morning, we're downtown uh, near near the library. We just finished um, you know, doing a few things there, and we walk out, and this guy. Let me look, Steve. I don't want to cast aspersions based on someone's appearance, but let me <laughs> let me just say, this guy looked like he wasn't in the best way, um, and and looked like he was barely wearing enough to keep himself warm. This guy rides past on a bike identical to Rupert's. Wow, what are the odds? Wearing a helmet. <gasps> Identical to well, because that's the, that's the helmet you'd get if you got that bike. So I mean, it's it's more a case of like you know, um, Alanis Morissette irony, the taste. Yeah, it's nothing else. And I, I looked at it, and and then I noticed the handlebars that were on it were some completely ridiculous, like non like this was like a mountain bike type thing, and this thing's got a set of weird looking ape hanger handlebars on it. Yeah. Which only makes me even more more convinced <laughs> that it's Rupert's bike. Because if you stole a bike, the first thing you're going to do is like change it change, so that if someone yeah. points it out, you can go, "No, nah, no, nah, mate, look, uh, like there's no way in God's great earth that you would put these stupid handlebars on a mountain bike and want to actually ride it anywhere." Yeah. So I think we had a close encounter with Rupert's bike, and oh. and look, 
I've got to say, I came away from it with the same attitude I had as when Rachel's bike was stolen, which I'll get to in a minute, which was, look, at least it's being used. Like, you know, someone hasn't pinched it and just thrown it in a creek. He, you know, he's out there on a Saturday morning going for a ride into town. So, look, it's providing some practical assistance to someone who clearly needs it and it's come at the expense of us and I'm sure you know, we're going to live. And Rupert learning a valuable lesson about oh, it doesn't God. matter yep. whether you're 10 seconds or 30 seconds late. Lock your damn bike up. Yes. So, And look, we can't really chastise him because, like I said, Rach had her bike stolen out of our carport here at oh, home Jesus. a few years ago. Gosh. And that one, uh, again, it, the, the great thing there was she and I had bikes. Uh, we'd, we'd bought them. like They were both a similar sort of style. Um, I don't even know what they like to call it a, a touring bike would be overselling it, but something like just an easy, you know, ride a bit of anywhere, not not a mountain bike, not a race or anything like that. If you can imagine the sort of in betweeny looking thing, um, and we we both had one of those, and we go out one morning into the carport, and Rachel's bike is gone. Oh man! And the hilarious thing there was though that my bike was sitting where Rachel's bike had been. What? Yeah, and, and and so her bike was like right up against the wall, and then mine was next to that in uh, between her bike and our car. And so this person had moved my bike to take Rachel's, and we thought this is really weird until we looked down and noticed that my bike had a flat tire. <laughs> so Gosh. someone had come in and decided that they weren't going to take my bike uh, because yeah, because it had the flat. <laughs> I took Rachel's Gosh. instead. Gosh. <laughs> but again, about a week later, I was down at the local supermarket this time. <laughs> and again, didn't see a matching helmet, but like we had not, like they, these bikes, like they were, like they had the same looking frame and all that sort of stuff. I'd never seen, and like these two were like almost identical apart from the size, but I'd never seen ones like them again anywhere. They clearly were very, very unpopular, which may explain why the uh, the bike shop was so keen to get us into them. Uh, <laughs> and I saw, I literally saw some dude riding back from our local supermarket on the bike. Gosh. And again, at that point, Rach hadn't ridden it in probably six months. So again, I was kind of like, fair cop. <laughs> Same guy, you reckon? No, no, different guy. Completely different guy. Prove it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, oh, and did I tell you about my, my other bike that almost got stolen? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, I ended up selling the bike that didn't get stolen the first one. Um, and a few years ago, I bought this 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 crazy bike. Like, it's got like a, a 50s era steel, fu- steel frame. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it, it's an old, it would have been like an old convertible track bike like the, from the frame um and i got a guy who used to build stuff up from secondhand bikes and bits and pieces to build it up for me as a as a fixie um yes a, and i c- normally keep it around the back of our house like a way like you can't see it there at all from the street um and for some reason it had ended up being left out in the like on the front side of the house where you could see it from our front gate so you could literally see it from the street and I walked out one morning, and instead of it sitting against the like the boundary fence where it, like the side boundary fence where it had been for a day or two because yeah. I hadn't moved it, it was sitting against the like the inside of the front fence. And I thought that's really weird. Like, there's no reason for it to be there. And I asked Rachel, I said, "Did you like?" And I was thinking, 
why would you move my bike but like not move it all the way back to where it's supposed to be just like move it halfway around and leave it in the front yard and so I asked Rachel like did you do this and she's like no it must have been one of the kids and they're like they're both like nah nah so it turns out Steve the only explanation you can come up with this for it is someone has walked in and and again that that bike also had a flat tire which you (laughs) might see as a bit of a recurring theme in my bikes Uh, yeah maintenance not, not my strong suit on them um, someone appears to have walked in, grabbed the bike, thought, oh, I'll go for a ride on this, realised it had a, fr- a flat front tyre, and just tossed it <laughs> in the front garden. Oh, because it wasn't worth taking. <laughs> so, so the only reason that we've only got two stolen bike stories, rather than three, or four perhaps, is because <laughs> I can't keep the tyres on my bike pumped up. Dave. <laughs> Oh, dear. <laughs> Have you ever had a bike stolen, Stephen? Unconscious, unconscious incompetence. <laughs> um, unconscious competence. Um, have I had a bike stolen? No, I don't I don't think so. Or if it did, it only went missing for a short time and we sort of scoured the neighbourhood and found it and basically in the confrontation got it back. I can't, I can't recall. I, I don't want to go down a path where I'm making stuff up in my head. But I, I thought that we had, but I don't know that it was mine, which is why probably I was helping look for it. And when we found it, I was part of the muscle that helped us get it back or something. Mm. So that's a tough one. I just want to interrupt really quickly, you go Dave, right and say that uh, if I say these words to you, I want to know if they mean anything before I finish this story. Mm. Leyland Brothers World. <laughs> yes. All right. I'm just checking. Uh, hang, on, hang on. Hang on. Are you- are you talking about the television show or are you talking about the fiberglass monstrosity on the Pacific Highway? Absolutely the latter, but let's call it <laughs> the former fiberglass monstrosity because it is on fire right now. <gasps> no way! Yes. Uh, insurance job. <laughs> I'm calling it now. That is 100% my thought when I first saw it too, right? It is they, amazing. They have been trying to sell that disaster oh, for years. But they've long got handed over because oh, when yeah. they went broke it's like no, not their problem anymore no it's not the Leylands anymore but whoever like is the current owner like every I mean we go past every see on the way to mum and dad's and like there is a well there was a servo that was on the same site and then it, for a while I think yep. the, the servo shut down and then, then it was, they put a subway inside it and then it was a gollywog shop like, it, like it's just a disaster and Dave was, a gollywog <laughs> shop You've stepped over one of the biggest pieces of this story. Oh, Steve. <laughs> Look, it would be a big part of a story, except for the fact that we're in Australia, mate. And and I think we've seen pretty clearly that uh, when it comes to cultural or racial sensitivity, that's not really our nation's bread and butter, unfortunately. Dave, I'd even buy in 1995 that a gollywog shop was a thing. But in 2018, not a thing. I mean... Haven't they seen the episode with Harry Connick Jr. on, on Red Faces? Like, no. freaking out about blackface? Very clearly not. They don't I mean, know about the Jackson Jive. Everyone's seen that. Everyone's seen it. The Jackson Jive. What a great moment that was in oh. the return of Hey Hey that lived far too long, <laughs> and it was only three episodes on a Wednesday night. Oh, boy. What, hey Hey had Saturday on a Wednesday made no sense. No, but, but it wasn't, no, the Harry Connick one, though, that was back in the original run, surely. No. It, really? Allow me. Well, we're, we're diving down the oh Wikipedia God. path already. Oh, not again. Um, <laughs> oh, speaking of which, speaking of which, one of our listeners, Stephen, didn't grow, yes. up, didn't grow up in Australia. And <laughs> so the conversation about Watch This Space apparently was one of the most confusing <laughs> moments of their entire life. <laughs> 
<laughs> apparently we couldn't have made any less sense if we were speaking a language that they don't speak. Here we go. Right, let's so let's start. That's I, and I apologise to the people that have no Australian context because even the words, even the words that I just said before, which was Leyland Brothers World on fire, <laughs> and, and now we're talking about red faces. Oh God. Oh yeah. So no, yeah, no. Come on. When, that, right. That, that, that can't have been in. The, that had to be in the original. No. I, I'm, I'm positive because that's the sort of thing that was always in. You know, remember how they, before they bought Hey Hey at Saturday back? Yes. They did a whole bunch of best of Hey Hey at Saturdays? Yes. I'm sure it got referenced in one of those. Dave, allow okay. me to do this for you. All right? <laughs> you go right ahead. So I'm just going to read the first the, the three paragraphs that are the Wikipedia entry <laughs> for Hey Hey at Saturday. All right? right. This will help get our people who don't understand. <laughs> They can go and look it up on Wikipedia themselves. Don't, don't look up Hey Hey at Saturday. Don't. don't oh, we don't. have to talk about Daryl Summers too at the end of this because it's that's it's we can't talk. We have to get back to Pin Layla Brothers World. We've got to get back to it. Layla Brothers World. Well, by the time we finish, there mightn't be left. By the, by the time I upload this, it'll be gone. A melty steel frame. Oh boy. <sighs> hey Hey at Saturday was a long-running variety, and I'm going to say that word very generously. Uh, television program on Australian television. Also two words that could be used generously. Uh, it ran initially for 27 years on the Nine Network from 9 October 1971 to 20 November 1999, noting there was a recess in 1978. Uh, the Black Years, I think they called them. <laughs> its host throughout its entire run was one Daryl Summers, oh God. Who, also, uh, who later also became executive producer of the program and co-owner of the program, I just want to point mm-hmm. out. Maybe they'll get to that. Um, the original producer, Gavin Disney, because it was a Disney Summers production, yes. that then became... Uh, Summers Carol. Summers some Carol. Point. Yep. Uh, Gavin Disney left the program in the 80s and Summers jointly formed his own production company, Summers Carol, with on-screen partner Ernie Carroll, the performer of Summers' puppet sidekick, Ozzy Ostrich. <laughs> Now, again, friends, if you have not seen Vision of Hey Hey It's Saturday, YouTube that shit, uh, and you will see a grown man standing behind a desk talking to a large pink ostrich sock puppet. Oh, boy. It is amazing television. Uh, And then a hand will pop up on a stick, and uh, you cannot explain Hey Hey It's Saturday. On the 25th of July, 2009... The, okay, so that's that's ten years that ten years after it finished up. Yes, the right. Nine Network announced the show would return for two reunion specials specials in late two thousand nine, and hinted if they rated strongly, the show would return. Sorry, could return full time. The first reunion show aired September thirty two thousand nine. The second on seven October, and both won the ratings on their respective nights. On 7 December 2009, it was announced the show was planned to return in 2010 with a speculated run of 20 episodes. Oh, God. During the 2010 premiere on Wednesday, 14th April, it was indicated that the 20-episode run would be split into two groups. (laughs) With a break between them and the second group, this is Channel 9 hedging their bets, a second group was broadcast on Saturday nights uh, from 16 October 2010 with the season finale on 27 November 2010. The show, intriguingly, was not renewed for a new season in 2011, and since then, there has been no announcement of it ever coming back to air. <laughs> now, the Jackson Jive skit took place on one of the reunion specials in 2009. <gasps> Stephen, 
Yes. I, I, like, I couldn't wait, and I just Googled. Yes. And, and not only are there, like, people in blackface... Yes. The guy who's being Michael Jackson is, like, in exaggerated whiteface. Oh, it's l- ludicrous, isn't it? There's, oh, it's not good. There's so much to I'd, be... I'd forgotten how bad it was. There's so much to be upset about. Like, if you... <laughs> if and, and good on Harry Connick Jr., who's a man who has deep connections to New Orleans and the south of America and you know, African-American performers and people particularly, to take offence to that and understand that culture. Um, what was crazy, if you remember, Dave, after that, it was almost the birth of this weird partisan politics news cycle situation where a whole bunch of people went, it's, hey, hey, it's Saturday, what's fucking wrong with it? Um, and a whole bunch of people went, that's actually really not cool, and Harry Connick Jr. is right to tell us so. Um, but Talkback lit up at how this American was overreacting um, to this innocent fun that was Hey, Hey, It's Saturday. Uh, on a Wednesday. Um, and it, mate, it was crazy. I remember for a while there were people calling for Harry Connick Jr.'s blood. Um, yeah, I remember. There were, and, and even Daryl, who had to play on through all of that and be the light bubbly host, kind of wasn't getting it. No. Like oh, you watch clear, the YouTube clip of that not. sketch, that, that Red Faces moment, Red Faces was a talent show within the variety performance that was like a New Faces or a. a, a um, well, that was the parody of the name, but it was a it was a talent contest. But you didn't really have to have talent to compete. Basically, fitting in with the entire show format, um, and so like Daryl was like, you could see him kind of going, "Well, well we better let the host, the, the guest, say you know, blah blah." And he was kind of like, he's trying to hose it down. And you could see yeah. that quizzical yeah, look yeah, on his face, yeah, like I don't yeah, he, understand he it. Did not get it at all. Did he? No, not even not remotely. For a second. Well, see, but and, and uh, I remember like, uh, well, the fact that we still see people getting uh, well. <laughs> Hello, uh, Charles at University, if you're listening. The, the, re- the fact that we still have <laughs> blackface problems and people not getting it, yeah, this didn't help. But see, mate, I, well, you know, you know, you're as bad as me in terms of you grew up with, with only access to the ABC and one commercial network. 1045A. Mate, do you remember when we were kids... Um, the black and white minstrel show. Yes, was, I remember my mum and dad loving it. It was still on, like yep. uh, it was probably reruns, but it was like on, on on like on a Sunday afternoon on one of the TV channels. Like, you know, I, I, I don't say that as an excuse. Like that, that's probably it, that's damning us. It's not an excuse for people not getting it, but it just shows how far we just didn't get it. Like, I, I, I mean. When, when do you reckon the black and white minstrel show would have been cancelled? Oh, look. Because it was, it was a British one, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was a British show. Look, I, I would say that it was probably cancelled somewhere in the, the early 80s. Really? You reckon? Surely it can't have gone that long. Allow me to consult with our uh, friend. <laughs> no, here we go. 1978. So if we finished. Yeah, so so if we were seeing... Like, we were seeing it as on, clearly on reruns. Yeah, but, death. But yeah. I re- I remember it. It did clearly. run for twenty years though, Dave. Let's not let's not you know sort of hide the the oh, lead no, on no. this. But fifty eight like, to seventy eight on the BBC. But like, like I clearly remember that as a kid. Um, so yes. that must have been so. Just in terms of how vividly I remember it, that must have been at least early eighties. Oh yeah. Well, you want the best crossover slash most confusing moment for me as a child. Mm. I loved the goodies. Loved it. <laughs> Yes. Do you remember they had a whole episode where uh, minstrels were effectively animals 
and, oh, and yes. they were escaping from the BBC. Yes. And they it was like Watership Down, but for minstrels. Yes. And, oh, man, it got out of control. Like, I watched, I, I think I rewatched some of the goodies recently and just went, yeah, this doesn't stand up. And I love the goodies. <laughs> Um, no, it doesn't. But I, I haven't re-watched that episode. I think they've actually almost tried to strike it from the record. I'm not, um, I'm not surprised. Can you imagine? Yeah. Um, but just, I remember distinctly the, the Bright Eyes song slash theme from Watership Down playing over mm-hmm. like nearly the final moments of it as they slow motion kind of men in black and white minstrel suits run into the distance. Yeah. And then one of them gets just horrendously taken out by some machinery or something. It's just crazy. <laughs> Oh dear. So yeah. So, God. I think actually it was Tim and Tim and Bill. Tim and Bill that were dressed up as, yes, as, minstrels, as minstrels along with the others. And it was Graham mm-hmm. that was trying to capture them. Yeah. Oh, yep. so great. So, so wrong. It's kind of a recurring theme because if I remember, if I remember correctly, when they were a horse, it was also Bill and Tim, wasn't it? Oh no, 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 no. no it was Beauty was the horse, so maybe it must have been Graham in there with Bill. Yeah, that's right. Because Tim was in love with Beauty. Yeah, Tim was in love. It was, with it was Beauty. Tim's horse. <laughs> Oh boy, oh. Australian blackface, hey? Mm. Oh, mate, and and, and you, well, you want? <sighs> How did we get on? A, oh, that's right, gollywogs, Golly, oh gollywogs at Leyland Brothers World. So it's burning to the ground, and that's a sad thing. Um, <laughs> no, it's not. We need to talk about the Leyland. No, it is. It isn't. <laughs> um, just I've scrolled a little further down on the Wikipedia page. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Are <laughs> oh, you telling me? Hey, hey, at Saturday won 19 Logies during its 29-year run. During the, for the awards the show has won. Hey, good, Steve. Steve, can, can I just... I'm going to guess that all of those were won back in the days before there was a most outstanding category for anything at the Logies and it was just oh, most popular, perhaps. I'm going to say none of them were most outstanding anything. They are all people voted most popular stuff. Daryl Summers... Won the gold Logie how many times? Five? Three. Oh. 83, 86, 89. Because that was the other thing too. Daryl tried other shows. Nothing stuck. <laughs> no, they all suck. He hosted Dancing with the Stars until he got unceremoniously ousted. Seven <laughs> dropped him Cause, cause he because he money. was a dick. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> um, I, I love that, yeah. I love he had the, the same face when he won too. It was always this faux surprise. Me? Oh yeah, he was hosting one of the years he won. The, the so he's standing backstage. The, the hilarious thing about him um, with Dancing with the Stars was like this was a format that they had um, imported from the UK, right? Yes. They already knew that this was something that had been a big hit, and they picked up Daryl um, because th- that was just after Channel Nine had basically said, "No, nah, there's no future for you here." Sure. So jumps ship to seven. Yeah. First Dancing with the Stars, massive, massive hit. Yep. And, da- and Daryl's going, well, clearly it's all about me. People have he just totally been... totally <laughs> thought it was all about him. That's exactly <laughs> and right. Daniel McPherson replaces him. And not, not much of a drop-off in terms of popularity of the show. It turns no, dare out... I say it, the ratings got better. <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's nothing to do with Daryl. <laughs> well, you, you're ready for this. This is, mate, we could... It's not helpful to those that actually want us to end some storylines, but I've, we could totally turn this into the Daryl Summers podcast. Um, <laughs> could we? Just tonight. Um, my my favourite Daryl Summers story is yes. still the fact that even after Hey Hey was cancelled, he still used to go around to the Channel 9 studios every week to get the hairdressers to do his hair for him. Do you want the best part? <laughs> That's no story. <laughs> that is the God's honest truth relayed to me by Ray Martin. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh boy. Yeah, it's it's all sorts of amazing, man. And there are, honestly, a metric butt-ton of those kinds of stories flying around. I mean, if you thought that Bert Newton was offensive at the Logies this year, <laughs> talking about Graham Kennedy and Don Lane, do not start a bunch of now-aging Channel 9 celebrities talking about someone like Daryl Summers, because that man had an ego the size of Melbourne. Could you imagine? I mean, think about the Logies controversy of this year, and and of course we all, all you know, everyone knows the famous Bert Newton. You know, I think faux pas is probably a little bit um, not strong enough, but you know, he's saying, you know, I like the boy in to, about Muhammad Ali, yes, uh, and famously almost getting punched in the nose. Um, but it was a faux pas, which I don't think Bert intended. So no, that was the, the beautiful part. The uh, but so putting that aside. I reckon if you actually went back and did some serious Logies rewatching, there would be some pretty horrendous stuff there that just oh, would not pass muster mate. any way at all. It would make Bert's uh, comments this year seem completely anodyne. Not that they were, but I'm just saying in comparison, like, oh. And that's even before we get to the drunk guests or the um, you know inevitable American or British import superstars coming over to plug their show, getting pulled out and rolled out for the for the you know the, the telecast, just not knowing what the hell is going on. I don't think we had one post Joan Rivers coming out, who was handed a, a specially minted pink logie for some godforsaken reason, um, and in her incredible style and acerbic wit. She was doing this, you know, sort of two-piece with, uh, with what's his name, Richard Wilkins. Uh, and, in, in, you know, in a, a rich American, like, New York actor. What am I, what, what the F am I supposed to do with, what am I, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? And chucks it on the floor and it breaks. <laughs> and it was just, it looks like a pink dildo, was I think what she said, because <laughs> I think it got bleeped. Um, it's, a, uh. it's a beautiful moment. But this is the thing, it's, it's when the Logies is at its most edgy that it's at its best this safe bollocks of you know like i get that people you know let's not be offended because people are saying offensive things but aussies are are people that will laugh at themselves quite happily and it's when we parody us parody ourselves that i think we find a whole bunch of common ground in some of that and we don't do enough of that uh i think it was um there was a there was some I think it was just after the Logies. Have you been paying attention? Did like a, a special kind of moment. Hey, everyone, you know, guess the Logies year or guess the guest or whoever that was. Oh, yeah, yep. And um, Ed Cavalier had raised himself in my estimation because uh, they'd gone through everyone and they got to him last. And uh, Tom Gleisner, who's hosting it, says to Ed, all right, Ed, so here's a special moment. Um, it's Daryl Summers and Ed stopped him. And he said, if this is Daryl Summers flying in on like a trapeze or a zip line to the stage, it is the oh, Logies God, in 1999. He had not even rolled the package. <laughs> and Tom is just standing there, just slack-jawed, looking at him. Are you serious? And Ed went, yeah, of course it is. That's the one you're going to show me. I know it is because that's the only one we haven't talked about tonight. And it's amazing. And Ed says, and, and Tom goes, roll the tape. And it's Daryl Summers being slack-lined in in the, like the ballroom at Crown Casino to the stage in this like glossy kind of uh, shimmery kind of jackety outfit. It was crazy. 
we have all of those sorts of crazy moments. We we think it's great ideas. There, there was I don't know if it was then or some other time, but it might have been then. Don Lane singing a song from the early nineties Logies. Who's got the envelope? And then there's a song and dance number. Like he sings it, and then the dancers are dancing around while backup singers are going. Who's got the envelope? Um, it's just the worst television you've ever seen in your life. But it's the Logies, and that's why we love it. Um, the saddest thing about Hey Hey It's Sad, well, one of the many, 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 many sad things. Uh, in 1997, Pluck a Duck was nominated, nominated for Most Popular Comedy Personality. <laughs> I mean, get out of the house. Oh, dear. Mind you, that year, so was Daryl Summers. So, <laughs> you know, I, I can't kind of, I can't get into that too much. Well, hang on. So... At that stage, was that like pre-internet voting for? Um, yes, definitely for for the like. So that ninety-seven that w- defo. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, definitely. So that that still would have been in the era of uh, cut your coupon out of TV week. Uh, by the way, this month we need to have uh, an extra fifty thousand copies delivered to Channel Nine. Yes, era. Channel Seven, ABC, <laughs> all of them did it right back in the day. All of them did it. The juniors got sent out to every news agent in the local area. And bought every TV week. <laughs> it's not even. It was. It's a worst secret in, in Australian television. <laughs> um, did you remember just quickly that Daryl Summers also hosted a hypnotism show called "You're Back in the Room" in uh, 2016? <laughs> no, and it was bad. <laughs> oh, well, that, that almost goes without saying. The first it? episode did 1.1 million viewers, uh, but that was it. Like, there were a few other episodes, but it died in the arse. Who are these 1.1 million Australians who... These are the same people that think that Jackson Jive was a funny sketch. <laughs> you know the most frightening thing, though, Steve? You, you know, any particular day, walking down the street, walking through a shopping centre, those people are there, and you oh. can't tell who they are. You've you walk got straight no past them. way of knowing. They're all around you. Still wondering why Hey Hey It's Saturday hasn't made a comeback yet. Thank Christ it's never going to because <laughs> a post the reunion series that never really went anywhere for Channel 9 because the ratings tapered quick. It may have started big, but it absolutely fell away in part because hey, we, I think it was even that it started on Hey Hey It's Wednesday, became Hey Hey It's Tuesday, went back to Wednesday. Like It, it didn't even find a night. Mm. It just sort of jumped around that badly. Um Daryl, look, Daryl knows where his bread is buttered. There's no question. So Daryl, to his credit, in the first instance, started uploading episodes or clips of episodes to YouTube and then sort of wildly promoting them, allowing people who still to this day, I probably get two emails a year. (laughs) Can you tell the networks we want Hey Hey It's Saturday to come back? Do you email them back and say no? I used to. (laughs) They still email me, um, but I did used to say, no, A, I'm not the network, and B, that's a stupid idea. <laughs> Is that indelicate? Is that me not being very nice to them? Oh, no, look, some, sometimes hard truths just need to be shared, Stephen. But what he's done, he set up one of the first streaming, uh, I guess you would call them sites, mm-hmm. but all it does is stream episodes of Hey Hey It's Saturday. And what, and I are think, people supposed to pay for this? Yes. Are you ready for this? No. Are you ready for this? I think he's even gone through and put... Because um, when it launched, I think it only had sort of like some classic episodes and all of those sorts of things. 
Um, but now I think he's got just about every episode that was ever committed to tape. Wow. Because that's the other thing too. Daryl's a hoarder. Mm. So he mm-hmm. had every episode that they broadcast. Um, he's He's got them digitized and put online on heyhey.tv. Um, I, <clears throat> I find this hard to believe. Mate, heyhey.tv. It has little clips of, you know, bits of shows, including um, highlights from episodes. Oh, um, my. The best of 1988. God. Um, it has news, what's happening with Daryl. Newsflash, <laughs> newsflash, more Daryl. Hey, hey, where's Daryl? Hey, hey, we're online. To be frank, not a whole lot has actually happened since 2014 <laughs> when it kicked off. Uh, but if I click on the premium link... Uh, where is the bit where it tells me how much? You click away from becoming a fully-fledged member as we are to think of part of the Hey Hey family. Once you've signed up, you'll be able to watch two hugely successful reunion shows. So what are you waiting for? Well, maybe he hasn't taken them all day. Ooh, controversial. You're misleading us now. Oh, man, this is a very serious terms of use. Like, he's paid a lawyer for this and everything. Accurate. You must provide us with true, accurate, complete, and current registration information. You must not share your username and password. I mean, who would want to? <laughs> um, maybe he stopped charging because nobody was buying it. Maybe. But he certainly used to. I think it wasn't much. I think it was only in the realms of five bucks a, uh, a month. But it was five bucks who a month. Who paid five bucks a month? Well, obviously some people did because he was charging it. Oh, lots of red faces on the main screen. I wonder if yeah. the Jackson Drive's on there. Hmm. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, it would be in the... Um, would in be the in the premium section. Oh, God. Wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, I get... Oh, golly. Oh, my God, this tripod. Yeah, mate. And this is the other thing, right? Because you and I both know, Hey Hey was the biggest thing in television. It was, and it was the only live... T- well, one of the only live TV shows going well, around. Well, it picked up where the Don Lane show left off, right? Who picked up from where in Melbourne tonight left off. Um, there was nothing happening of a night time. And when it went to Saturday night, while everyone may not have sat around and watched it, you know, pillar to post, um, though that part of the movie, the castle in and of its moment, yep. absolutely was a yep. thing. Families would sit around and watch the entire two hours of this show. Well, see, we didn't because it was, you know, it was a channel nine product. So, out on nine and eight slash prime in the wilds of Inverell, no mm-hmm. hey, hey, it's Saturday. Uh, the only time we'd wow. see, see Hey Hey was when we went, see, for some reason, we, when we went to Yamba, which had NRTV, which was a 10 affiliate, yes. they had Hey Hey on it, which makes no sense to me, but that's how it was. Hey, aggregation made no sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, um, look, it, Hey Hey would show up like every now and again, like it'd be, it'd be on for a couple of years and then it would go away and then it'd come back and then go away. Um. So it was never a constant at our place, but yeah, uh, hey, hey, definitely would be switched on after you got home from church with your um, with your charcoal chicken dinner. Oh, mate, and and for because for the bulk of it through the eighties, for me, you know, I'm a high school student, so there was no going out necessarily, or if it did, it was only with mates, or we were probably hanging out watching videos, but they never started until after hey, hey went on, or after the late show when we get into the early nineties. Um, it was on; you just watched it. And you might have gone, oh, it's in and out, or it's a bit blah, blah, blah. But you'd watch it, or you'd watch bits of it. It was on in the background, then before you went out, or before you did something else. 
And you always knew roughly 7.30, Red Faces was on. I do actually have a, a favourite uh, Hey Hey at Saturday moment, Stephen. If we're going to be really frank, I think we all probably have at least one moment. If you are aged, you know, sort of 35 or older. My favourite moment was one when uh, the Whitlams had just released their second album. Oh, so, yes. So this is, bef- this is before Eternal Nightcap. This is before they were yep. really, really big. Yeah, before Blow Up the Pokies. Uh, oh, no, well before then. That, yeah, yeah. That, that was even after Eternal Nightcap. Um, but this was... Uh, they just released uh, I Make Hamburgers. Yep. Fantastic. Very, very fun song. And they'd been booked as the musical act on <laughs> oh, Hey God. Hey. Yes. Now, Hey Hey didn't actually... You know, despite the fact that you know, I, I just said you know, it was about the only live TV... They didn't actually let the performers play live. They no, all... often they didn't let them play live. That they, was the worst yeah, part. Yeah, they didn't let them. It wasn't a case of, would you like to mime your song? It's like, no, no, no. You no, 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 no. This is how it works. <laughs> this is how it works. So anyway, so the Whitlams get on there. Tim Friedman wearing a pair of like massive, oversized, ridiculous Corey Worthington style glasses. glasses. Yeah. Um, and look, I don't know if he was... Uh, chemically altered but his behavior wouldn't have been out of place if he was and sitting behind the piano throwing his hands around clearly not even remotely playing the piano not putting his face in front of the microphone at the right time when the lyrics Gosh. are being played yeah just making it an utter disaster of the whole thing like just deliberately being bad Oh, and, I, can, I can only imagine how that went down with Daryl. Daryl walking on, absolutely looking daggers. He would have been just ready to throw it. He was furious. And that, Stephen, that is my favourite Red Faces memory, is Daryl Summers being shitty with Tim Friedman yes. for showing up the fact that none of the bands on there played live. There were very few moments when Daryl let his emotion get a hold of him like that, but there were a few and they were usually around bands taking the piss. Um, I remember, and I'll see you and I'll raise you in the same way, uh, iconic Australian band Tism. Um, this is serious, Mum. And now, if you do not know who those people are, uh, who that band is, <laughs> that's go- fine. That, that you should Google. You definitely need to Google that. In fact, Google Tism Hey Hey at Saturday because this is a performance you have to see. Um, so Tism <laughs> in were 1989. A- that would have been like defecate on my face. It's like. Era. That's about really that era. early Tism. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. So for those that don't know, quick potted history of Tism. Tism was a band made up of people from other famous Australian bands. They well, all wore I masks. I don't know about famous. Well, I think if you put some of them in there, they're pretty famous of the time. Um, and they, they all wore masks, hid their identities. They all took on alternate persona names. Um, and... Like, it was the brainchild of one guy, to be frank. He wrote all the lyrics. He was the lead singer. Uh, and he basically just roped in all of his other muso mates. Ron to be Hitler Barassi. That's right. And and they would um, play, always play not the instrument they were known for playing. So it was that kind of weirdness and fun. And it was, it was a great side project. And because no one knew who they were, and they never, like, whenever they turned up to do live gigs or press, they all wore masks. So... And it was just this great moment where kind of people were always running, who is Tism, who's in Tism? Um, this Hey Hey It's Saturday performance is a performance of, a, of the song Saturday Night Palsy. <laughs> and in and of itself, the song is intense. It's so fun. 
Um, and, and they did these great parodies of everything. Um, Greg, the stop sign, if you remember, was lifted out of, uh, a ad, yep. an art, yeah, that's right. A, a Vic, Victorian transport commission ad where the, the pinnacle moment was a girl yelling at her boyfriend. I think it was in the car, Greg, the stop sign before they all died. And you know, Hey, everyone pay attention when you're driving. Mm. Uh, but they then turned it into this wonderful kind of edgy pop song. Um, Greg, the stop sign. Uh, anyway, Saturday Night Palsy, the, the band's like the, sorry, someone presses play and they start miming. Fine. And they're jigging around and dancing and doing the thing. And there is like a bass guitarist, a guitarist, a keyboard player, some guy playing some kind of drums and a lead vocalist. And every new chorus, a whole new set of people come on stage (laughs) dressed differently. And there's even extra backup dancers. So there's, imagine there's a set of people, maybe eight or nine people on stage to start the song. And then the first verse ends, the second verse starts. They all stay there. Another nine people come on stage (laughs) and stand next to the person that they're mirroring. And now you've got two groups of people miming exactly the same thing. And then the third verse, a whole nother group of people come on stage. So by the end of it, there is honestly nearly 40 people on stage running around dancing, pretending to sing the song, causing chaos. It was so great. It, it just, it's amazing, Dave. It was so, Daryl didn't quite get all uppity and huffy, um, but he did kind of a little bit, oh, that's, we, we don't understand. It's a bit weird. Uh, it, oh, there's just no way of explaining Hey Hate Saturday. I can't. I don't even want to. Um, let's jump back to what we were originally talking oh, about before uh, we l- fell down this rabbit hole. No, before you do, okay. <laughs> just to go one further. Um, There's a screenshot, by the way, on the YouTube channel for Hey Hey TV uh, that is Wilbur Wilde and some blonde lady who I can't tell and a very young Cameron Dado. It's from 1989. Oh, um, and it's the best of 1989, part two, pick your face. Except the screenshot uh, makes it look like it says in the background, the big sort of still behind them, Fuck your face. <laughs> right. Anyway, that's um. You you were about to double down on us. Oh uh, no, not double down. Just just taking you know another diversion. Uh, just Google. Uh, yes. Ron Hitler Barassi. Can we? To UNE. And look for about the oh, it's maybe the second link. Uh. But, uh, am I looking for video audio or just an article? Just, just all. Dave from Albury's weblog. Dave, mm. you're from Albury. That's me. My morning with I, Ron Hitler Barassi. And I used to actually have a blog. Popular culture. You were even categorizing things. Well, mate, it was, it, it was 2009. So there you go. That that, that 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 that's just my my, my tears and brush with fame. I just thought I'd bring that up because I mean you're you're the one who hangs out with all the famous people, Stephen. But I just thought I'd like to share. You know, know what you should do. I, I, I have spoken to famous people. You should bang that on the end of this episode. <laughs> oh, I, you know what? I haven't listened to it since I posted it. Uh, you should definitely bang it on the end of the episode. Then <laughs> unheard. Just put it like oh. a quick pause and put it on. All right. God. Yeah, that's so great. Mm. Um, just to, to quickly give you some added context and for anyone else that's still listening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, some of the, the, the Australian stars that got either some of their first airtime, like not invited on as guests, but 
basically got on as a part of a Red Faces thing. So this this weird kind of talent show in the middle of the show. Um, the people who went on to be uh, The Late Show, Working Dog, Jane Kennedy, Rob Sitch, Tom Gleisner, performed a sketch um, oh, as a part of their uni review. Yeah, and Jason did one. Nicholas where, Buffalo was in it. Jason did did one, like, he was on uh, The Late Show. Remember, he, he did one where he was a penguin or something. Yeah, then they also pranked them in return. Um, but to, and this is, I, I love, here you go, I'll just quick name drop. I love talking with Jane Kennedy about this because she's very frank and open. And she did always say that Daryl was always very encouraging of them right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Like, once they started to do stuff, even though they might have pulled the piss on Hey Hey or whatever... When they're when they're you know when they were flogging the castle and all those sorts of things, he just couldn't do enough for them. Always would get them on to talk about the film. Always would you know find opportunities to promote them or suggest to other interviews. Hey, why don't you get these guys in? Uh, which she said in the early days was invaluable. So while we may paint Daryl as a complete egotist, which he was <laughs> slash is, um, he did actually do his bit. Like take seriously his responsibility as. Um, uh, like a, a father, you know, one of the, the godfathers of Australian entertainment by encouraging new talent in. Um, Kate Blanchett performed a song as a part of Red Faces. Um, Greg Fleet did one of his first stand-up. So did Limo, one of his first stand-up sets on Red Faces. And stand-up never went well. Never went well on Red Faces. No, um, no, it didn't. There was just a whole raft of people that kind of, and I think one of the reunion episodes, they went through and said, oh, you know, here's someone that's gone on to great fame that, you know, you probably wouldn't pick. And certainly I think Kate Blanchett's the biggest, the biggest name in that bunch. But there were lots of Aussies that, you know, because th- even third place got, what, 50 bucks, 100 bucks? <laughs> probably. Like it was in the 80s. That's huge money. <laughs> Thanks, McDonald's. Um, so crazy, crazy talk. Um, so Leyland Brothers World. Now, Dave, I'm assuming that you know the story of Leyland Brothers World. Well, I know a story of Leyland Brothers World, well, but I, know, story? I don't know the story of Leyland Brothers World. Well, see, of course, you've got to remember that Leyland Brothers World was not the, our first exposure to Mike and Mal, because before Leyland Brothers World, there was Ask the Leyland Brothers. Yes, there was. Okay, which had a much catchier theme song. Well, you want, you want to talk about something that maybe hasn't translated well through the ages. <laughs> um, jump on YouTube and look up the Leyland, uh, Ask the Leyland Brothers opening theme titles and, yet, and see one it, of the Leyland Brothers' wives <laughs> bounce up in a wet t-shirt with no bra on. I mean, for a young eight-year-old that loved learning about adventuring, I didn't understand why I wanted to watch that intro over and over and over again. <laughs> And she was like, she was quite well chesty. It was the seventies, <laughs> mate. It was the seventies. There is no question. It was of the time. Oh, yep, yep. So now, so if I remember correctly, so so Arsenal Leyland Brothers that that finished up, and then then they started the Leyland Brothers World Show, which had much less adventuring and much more clips. That that yes. came later. Um, in part because they were a bit older, right? Well, I don't know, maybe because it was cheaper television as well. well there and, was that. And then, and at the same time, what that was... And actually, no, that was before they opened... The Leyland Brothers World Show was before the Leyland Brothers World um, fake fiberglass bad yes. Uluru showed up. Like, that was that was later. Yes. Uh, but, oh, no, I got nothing. That, that's about all I got. I'd certainly forgotten about, about the, 
a wet t-shirt I'll go back and check that out later um, <laughs> the best part is Dave that digitally you can't wear out that bit of the tape um, <laughs> The the, oh the interesting thing about so the Leyland brothers, oh look, let's just do what we we shouldn't be doing. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> this is just getting worse. We are we. I'm sorry. We need to type some loose ends at the end of this conversation. Okay. Because um, I know that we have some, and we've had some people get back to us and say we need to know what's happening with these things. Our our list has getting all is all over the place. I know right now. Um, let's do this one. So the Leyland brothers, Mike and Mal Leyland who uh, were both imports um, in that they uh, were gentlemen that were born uh, in the UK. Um, so basically like ACDC and uh, the Bee Gees then? Yeah, but we yeah. owned them. They, they came to live in Australia and that was fine. Yeah, they're ours now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, brothers, uh, they were born four years apart. Mike the older, Mal the younger. Uh, and they did something radical in the 70s and that was that they started a, a TV show that there was them taking their, you know, their cameras, their video cameras, 16 mil movie cameras and filming stories of them discovering the country. And it revolutionized the tourism industry within the country. Previously, we believed that tourism was you go to the beach or you go overseas. And what the Leyland brothers did was open up, um, our nation to people recognizing that there was just so much to discover, like radical. And then the other part was that it became, you could ask them, can you go to such and such a place and show me what that's like? I've heard it's really neat. Um, between, where is it? Ask the Leyland Brothers ran for 1976 was the initial episode. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. And they paid for the whole thing. It wasn't like any TV network was getting behind them. They placed a full-page advertisement in the popular TV Week magazine to promote it. The format proved to be successful, and at one stage, the show had two and a half million viewers. Whoa. Dave, these are ratings that our oh, current day... Like, if anyone got two and a half million viewers today, they would be absolutely... Yeah. Oh. <laughs> they started doing it in an orange Volkswagen combi van mm-hmm. and upgraded to a pair of four-wheel drive vehicles. It was shot on Super 8... Um, 153 episodes, 1976 to 1980 it ran. Um, phenomenal. Phenomenal that they did this. Now, in their later years, when... And, and we saw their kids grow up and all of that sort of thing. Like, over five years, you saw a lot of their families enjoying camping and getting out into, into Australian nature. Um, they had a little bit of experience going into it, but what they did was actually pretty... Pretty crazy. This is the best part. The first CV television series ran from seventy six to eighty, and then again it ran from eighty three and to eighty three and eighty four. So it ran for two extra seasons, and then it kind of transformed. And did, like you said, other things. Leyland Brothers World appeared, where they basically were hosting either bits of their own things or documentaries of other stuff, top and tailing it. Um, now there is a really great. I think it's Australian story episode on uh, Mike Leyland, the older of the two about what happened particularly with Leyland Brothers World uh, and the fallout, because here, this, this is the short answer. In November 1990, the Leyland Brothers opened the theme park Leyland Brothers World on a 40-hectare property at North Arm Cove on the Pacific Highway north of Newcastle. They grew up at Wall's End, so they knew it kind of well. Yep. It included a 140th scale replica of Uluru. <laughs> 
So a massive rock in the middle of the Northern Territory, deeply significant to our Indigenous people, used to be called Ayers Rock. We, we sort of come to our senses and recognise because it was so important. Let's call it what they call it, the local people there and their language, it's Uluru. So it goes on. Um, as well as amusement rides, playground, roadhouse, museum and 144 student capacity bush camp. In 1997... Uh, in an article in the Sunday Age, Michael Ayland said that the initial $1 million loan blew out due to rain during construction and a 27% interest rate. Oh, God! Ladies and gentlemen, the early 90s and loaning money. Oh. In 1992... <laughs> Mind you, hang on. <laughs> that said... Yes. That million dollars doesn't buy you a flat in Sydney these days. So, you know. oh, and there's a really, really great sketch about that on Tonightly this week. Really oh. great sketch. Um, in July 92, so not even two years later, Chris Palmer of BDO Nelson was appointed receiver and manager oh, of the park. That didn't take long. No. When the Leyland... They didn't finish it. Um, the Leyland Brothers Company failed to meet its loan commitment to the Commonwealth Bank. So again, high interest rates, and this was a time when the bank would just swoop. There was no chance to do anything. Auctioneers Colliers Jardine estimated the yearly attendance to the park to be about 400,000 people with 10,000 students for the bush camp. After the auction held by the receiver on 26 November 1992, so nearly two, like two years almost to the day, uh, the theme park was sold for $800,000. Oh, boy. And continued to trade for a time as the great Aussie bush camp. The brothers went bankrupt. Oh, after the 92 bankruptcy, Mike and his wife Margie ran a video store in New Lambton outside Newcastle and worked for the park's new owner. How does that hurt? Um, in 97, Mike sold his part uh, of the Tea Gardens property, his Tea Gardens property, to fund the production of a far north Queensland film for Channel 7. Mike and his wife Margie signed a contract with Seven for 12 one-hour docos, the first of which aired in 88, uh, sorry, 98 uh, in the World Around Us slot. In September 2009, Michael Leyland died from Parkinson's disease. He was 68 years old. Uh, Mike is survived by wife Margie, his daughters Kerry, Sandy and Dawn, uh, and stepdaughters and grandchildren. Sorry, Mal, did I say oh, Mike and Mal? Yeah, Mike was the older one. Yeah, wait, wait, Mal was this, the younger one. This is just taking a, you know, a really sad turn, Stephen. <laughs> oh, and well, this is not even the detail. Oh, God. Mal and his wife, Lorraine, ran a photo processing lab in Queensland and launched a travel magazine. In 97, Mal and Lorraine launched a bi-monthly magazine, Leyland's Australia. In 2000, Mal produced the television show, Leyland's Australia, with his wife, Lorraine, daughter, Carmen, and her husband, Rob traveling around Australia in a caravan. Now, this is that was actually reasonably smart because that was just on the starting cusp of all of these grey nomads. Mm -hmm. yep. So, like, super great. I don't think they planned it, but they really took advantage of the moment. In April 2000, Channel 9 cancelled the show after six episodes. Oh. But then the series was picked up by Network 10. Mal and Lorraine have written travel stories for Rome magazine, a number of novels, cookbooks, and in 2015, Mal published his memoirs entitled Still Travelling. That's what's in the Wikipedia page. Enough, enough. Steve, Steve, mate, I I don't want to be rude, but I I might not have been paying attention the whole way through that that, that high-quality read. Shut up. No, because I had to go and and, um, watch the intro to Leyland Brothers, ask the Leyland (laughs) Brothers, and and I need to correct you. Please. Right? I need to correct you because you said that, you know, one of their wives pops up uh, not wearing a bra in in a wet T-shirt. Yes, 
And and I'm, I'm afraid it you, was confusing, Dave. Hang on, Steve. Steve uh, it's interesting the way you tell the story, but it's not accurate. Well, now I'm going to look at it. What the uh, hell? Okay, okay. Keep because, going. Because in fact, what happens is you see wet T-shirts on five occasions, not one, and, <laughs> and someone else in a tank top that's also just a chest shot on, on a separate occasion. So. <laughs> It's not just once, Stephen. It's five times, and it's you know, and it's not the same set of boobs each time. <laughs> so both wives uh, did, did I, one for the team. I, is what I'm hearing. I guess so. Because it's definitely not the kids. Well, I was going to say. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm going to assume it's their wives. Because there's not, one. Cause, yep. Because the Leyland brothers. It's not like they're Albie Mangles, you know. And just quickly, that first shot. Um, they get her jumping out of the water and they get her just sort of kind of standing still so they can focus on the logo on her chest. Yep. And obviously the water was pretty cold. <laughs> yep. So there's a cassowary, two, three, tank top. Yep. Spider, roll over car, apples, mm-hmm. boobs. Yep. <laughs> That's four, four in the tank top. Emu. People in car, people in car, kids in car, baby in car, Leyland Brothers. I get the feeling that I'm only going to get four, four boobs in no, the tank top. I, 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 no, I think you've miscounted. Oh, look, I probably there, have. There's a really quick cutaway between one set and another set. <laughs> I'm sure that's the case. So <laughs> this, the sad part of this story is that it's just mentioned there that the Leyland Brothers went bankrupt. Mm. They did. Yep. In this Australian story episode with, with Mal, um, he recounts and and look reasonably generously shares some of the reasons why it went belly up and the fact that particularly for Han Lorraine they felt uh, maligned because they you know basically dropped in a whole bunch of the, like an investment property they had they they sold a whole bunch to back this loan that they got mm. and you know they were, were it, Mal felt he was working, didn't feel that Mike was working as hard as he could have. Mal, you know, Mike was said, I'm trying to get money for us, all that sort of blah, blah, blah. Um, rain certainly slowed them down. They never really launched properly. They cut back from their initial plan of having all these other things to just getting the Uluru done. Um, and it, it look, it was in the middle of nowhere. It was never really going to take off. Um, but it not only cost them a whole bunch of money, it cost them their relationship. So these brothers who had been in each other's back pockets for years and travelled the country basically had a massive fight. They had travelled all over the countryside, Steve. all over. All over Um, the countryside. Mel and his wife, uh, Lorraine, for a while had a and b uh, in, what's the town north of Armidale? Um, Uh, um, North, oh, Gyra. No, North Gyra. Tenerfield? Oh, that's way, that's not... Yeah, okay, that's always at the border, but yes, that is... No, 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 Glen Innes. It was between Tenerfield. Technically, you are correct. Both of those places are north of Armadale, but maybe not just north. Oh, well, Gyra's just north, and then it's Glen Innes. So it was Glen Innes. Yep. So they ran a and b there for a while, and then they they bought... I think it's a property, again, outside kind of Wall's End, and part of the the Australian story shows him he's building a frigging log cabin. Like, he built them their house because they had no money. Truth. Like, it's crazy talk. These guys that helped really establish television, um, I don't know, I'm not going to say that, you know, they, they didn't get their money and did piss it against a large fiberglass rock. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they... Not that television owes them anything, but it just seems like a really sad end to an incredible, groundbreaking career. 
Yeah, that absolutely. you know they they struggled with each other. They really weren't able to reconcile properly. In the end, when Mike died, uh, I think he died of, of, with like Alzheimer's or something. So he was you know not the full quid when that happened. Um, so like just hearing Mal talk about it, seeing his brother deteriorate because he got to see him a bit. Uh, you know, wanted to reconcile, but he I think he laments even that we never got the chance because. I could apologize to him and then see him the next week and he wouldn't remember who I was. Mm. Um, so, you're just a sad end to what was a dynasty of groundbreaking Australian television. Just, and now, their last great legacy, even though it's not theirs, is it's on fire. As smoldering ruins. Oh, God. Oh, no. Sad, oh. Dave. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Oh boy, oh boy. So what have we got to wrap up? We've got some things that we probably need to put some put some caps on so that we can allow people closure on things. Uh, like what? I, I, I think we're pretty good at, you know, <laughs> well, there is, there paying is attention a... to our stories. <laughs> there is a, um, a, a postscript to the, uh, uh, the chicken story. Oh, yes. Mrs. Cluckington. Mm-hmm. Um, she definitely went up the farm. In in a good way, not in the bad way. Sure. Um, well, as far as I know, like a guy took her away, and he could have done whatever with her. So, um, so, you, so you, you, I hang on. So that was Mrs. Clackington. That was that was that, that was the angry chook. Yes. Okay. But then, so and and the other one has recovered, though uh, all the skin has grown back. Um, you remember the attack was quite vicious, um, but she seems to be fine. Good news is that one of the two that we have is laying now. Very small eggs. They are little little chickens. The other one hasn't started yet, um, but we hope it might come. We also kind of figure maybe it might not because it could be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the The problem for us now, Dave, is that there's a scrub turkey in our neighbourhood. <laughs> <laughs> and it's decided to sort of jump into our backyard and, and there's lots of great places where it can scratch around and have moments and, you know, do all of that sort of stuff. Oh, no. So we've now got to try and work out... At the moment, we're just trying to discourage it not being in the yard. So mm. whenever we're around and it sort of it gets waved away and it runs off, and I think it still comes back. I mean, the problem is, like, I worked from home... No, I had yesterday off. So 10 minutes after everyone left, like, almost to the minute, it's in the backyard. Uh, I encouraged it to leave, and it never came back that yesterday. Right. I don't know if it was in our yard today... It sort of only goes to one place to scratch and sort of pretend to make a nest. Um, but here we are. Um, so I'm just wondering, I don't know what the issue is, and, and I've asked sort of Michelle to look into it, whether we contact Brisbane City Council and say, look, we've got a scrub turkey that's moved in. Like, does it need to get moved on? Can it be moved on? Or does it have, like, you know, uh, squatters sovereignty? rights? Does it have sovereignty? I mean... <laughs> What's going on? I I think the rule is if it moves your boundary fence and you don't do anything about that for more than seven years, then it then owns that piece of land. That strip of land. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the rule. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I think you should call the. I think you should call the council, and you should ask them specific. And look, it. I mean, this is wildlife, Stephen. Yes, it's wildlife. It is. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Are they a protected species? Don't look it up on Wikipedia. I'm not going to... No. And I'm certainly not going to attack it by any stretch. But I just, like... 
we don't need to be cleaning after a scrub turkey. <laughs> cleaning up after a scrub turkey every other day. The, the first time I saw a scrub turkey was when we went on a trip to North Queensland. Yes. Uh, to go visit the Whit Sundays, and we were you know, camping, and we went with a uh, uh, dad's cousin and his family. Yep. Um, you know, as if well, it's your own Leyland Brothers type experience, Steve. Um, but uh, and I remember the scrub turkeys were near the campsite at Rockhampton, I think. Yep. And I was petrified of them uh, because uh, they were called a scrub turkey, and I thought that, the, and obviously they had, you know obvious claws and I thought that meant if you got too close they would scrub you out with those big bloody claws and I was not a fan of them at all mm-hmm. yes uh, and when it was pointed out to me that no they were called scrub turkeys because they live in the scrub I was much relieved yes <laughs> I was easily frightened child Stephen <laughs> I grew up in the country oh mate I, I in one of my jobs I used to travel like up north to north Queensland and those sorts of things and uh, staying out at Mission Beach they have signs up everywhere, beware of cassowaries, uh, because they mm. live natively in the, the, the rainforests up around there. Yep. Um, and one morning I was going to work early, and I'm driving the road from Mission Beach into Tully, and kind of, you know, you're driving, you know, I know the road reasonably well, I'm kind of paying attention, not really. And I looked up, and it wasn't even running, it was just kind of walking slowly, oh, I better slow down. This cassowary just sort of stuck its, like, at more than its neck out of the jungle on the side of the road. Um, so I let it walk out and it got, without a word of a lie, it got to the middle of the road, it stopped and looked at me and then it looked back at the jungle, right? And four little cassowary chicks ran out after it. What you think you are, mate. <laughs> ran across the road, like in between the car and me, between the car and it, across the road, um, into the rainforest on the other side and it just casually walked off like nothing had happened. <laughs> And this is pre like mobile phones with cameras in it, mm-hmm. so I couldn't even go. Wow, check what check out what I saw this morning. It was just wow. It was, it was an incredible moment of very clearly I am not in control because if that cassowary decided to have a go at the high car I was in, mm-hmm. my high car was toast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're pretty impressive bits. Actually, uh, up uh, when we were in Innisfail a couple of years ago, there, there's lots of signs around telling you to like slow down if you're in an area where um, cassowaries might be on the road. Um, and you know, as you know, any kind of sort of sign iconography, um, yes. it sometimes doesn't always uh, convey exactly what you want. Uh, and these signs are a perfect example of that because it shows a car crashing into a cassowary, but it's got the car like angled up and so it looks like the cassowary is like lifting up the front of the car like Superman yeah. or something. Yeah. And it's just like, I'm not sure that that's exactly what they're trying to convey. Yes, quite. <laughs> so the official um, New South Wales Rural Fire Service post that has pictures of the flaming Uluru, oh, 18 no. fire trucks from the Rural Fire Service uh, and from the Fire Department New South Wales are fighting a fire at the rock. Um, the structure is completely alight and crews are protecting fuel storage facilities on site. Oh, yep. There are no reported injuries at that stage when they posted it. Um, damn. That's a yeah, thing. Yeah, that is a thing. What, 18 trucks. Well, I, 18. I guess they would be a bit worried about the petrol station going Mate, up. That could it's make a, petrol a bit of a station, mess. <laughs> and it's a bloody large piece of melty fiberglass. Yeah, if your fiberglass does like to burn, doesn't it? Yeah, well, it's going nuts. Like, just the pictures, it's got that weird, melty, burny... 
yeah, all that stuff going on. Mm. I'll have to have a look at that when we finish talking. Big news. Big, huge news. And if we want to toss an extra one in, Sashi has just won MasterChef for no reason. What? Who's... Sashi's one of the guys. He won MasterChef. Oh, okay. Big deal. Yeah. Um, yeah, my, my, let's be honest, my MasterChef knowledge finished <laughs> a long time back. Yeah, yeah uh, that's I, all right. There's, there's Julie Goodwin and there's Poe and there's Adam Lior. And yeah, I'm 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 done after that. And then, is there oh, anything and, else? And, Sorry. Well, yeah, there's the, there's the judge who doesn't pay his staff, George. George. Yep. Yeah. Actually, he was on. Hey, uh, have you been paying attention the other week? And they yes, were, he was. They, they were ribbing him a little bit about um, a little bit. Uh, oh, about yeah, the, the the push and shove that had been on a current affair. Yes. Um, but I was a bit disappointed, Stephen, that no one had to go over him about the fact that he you know has repeatedly it turns out, uh, been ripping off his workers. And, and I was like, you know what? I bet that, that, that someone said, you know what? That's a line that we're not going to cross because we can't trash someone from our own network. Um, and that makes me sad, Stephen, because there, once upon a time, uh, the people from Working Dog probably would have happily crossed that line, but it's not anymore. And, yeah. That's just me. And, bit, I, and I understand that. Oh, yeah, but still... I mean, it pisses me off that that, uh, uh, that George gets a pass on that crap. Yeah, really. you know, I'm sorry. Right? You you want to be you be lauded as uh, yeah, and, and and I remember especially in the first couple of series of MasterChef where they were really trying to introduce us to the 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 um, the judges. Yeah, uh, they really talked up. You know, this the amazing restaurant empire that George had built. Um, and you know, if you want to take those plaudits, you absolutely should be held accountable uh, when you are uh, stealing from people. <sighs> but that's just me. They did have a bit of a joke. I think it was Ed or, or Sam. Yeah, about about, about him pushing him popping someone up at the on footy. a current affair. Yeah, but that was about him, you know, shoving that kid at the football. Yeah, but still, it's not bad. No, oh, yeah, yeah, they didn't call him a thief. Truth. Hmm. But, it, again, it's in the wheelhouse, right? We're, we're all is. in the Channel 10 stable. We've yeah, got to make sure. Yeah, I know. have got to play Blah, blah, blah. Blech. Have we got anything outstanding from you? Uh, yeah, apparently we do. <laughs> two Go items. Go to the list, Dave. Two items. Two items. Apparently, yes. apparently there, there is some interest in whether or not my lights have stopped fl- uh, flickering <laughs> <laughs> as we had a, the long-standing, like, what is it? It was a decade and a half that we had that electrical fault, Stephen. <laughs> a decade and a half of changing light bulbs every couple of weeks. Uh, let me tell you, uh, we haven't changed the light bulbs since. This <laughs> and, is a room with uh, too much electricity. And they do not flicker anymore. This is a room with not enough. That's how they balance out. <laughs> now, the other thing is, I was asked about uh, a cupboard door that I couldn't get closed. <laughs> <laughs> You're and, gloriously out of square house. Yeah, w- w- well, um, the thing is, I'm not sure which cupboard they're referring to because <laughs> we moved some furniture around the other day, Steve, speaking of this house being out of square. We moved some furniture around in our dining room and we've got like a, a, a nice big uh, 1970s, uh, like early, like late 60s, early 70s uh, veneer buffet 
right? Like, yep. You know the type, like, you know, glass in the middle with some glass shelves and a mirror back there, drawers on one side and a sliding door. And, oh, you know, I'm sure it's you like can, you're looking to my 1980s life. I'm sure you can picture it. Yeah, well, well, we actually bought one of those and put it in, in, in the house we live in now, Stephen. Um, <laughs> And it's one of our favourite bits of furniture. I mean, that sounds like a really good idea. And we paid 50 bucks for it, and we love it. Anyway, um, we bought some, uh, like I said, we bought some new furniture from Ikea. We bought some shelving, and this was all supposed to go in the the dining room near the buffet. And it was only after we got it back here from Canberra that we realised we'd forgotten to measure the gaps. And in fact, uh, the shelving wouldn't fit where we wanted it to. So... What that meant was uh, an afternoon of moving stuff around in the dining room to try to figure out how we could put the new shelving, which we did want, in there, but we couldn't get rid of the buffet because we love that. And as we're moving the buffet around, I'm trying was trying to like like level it up against the wall, and every time I sort of pushed it at one end, <laughs> yes. the other end it would sort of like jut out a bit. I'm like, this is really weird. That's weird. Eventually, I got down next, and I'm going, maybe that. Maybe there's like something out of kilter with the buffet. No, the buffet's perfectly square. The wall, the wall has a bow in it, Stephen. <laughs> That's it juts curious. out in the middle, so you can literally like seesaw the buffet oh, around the bow in the wall. Oh, Dave. <laughs> or as we like to call it, where we play hide and seek. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I, yeah, I don't. I can't remember which. I, I still do have cupboard doors that don't close, but I can't remember which specific one <laughs> I referred to on the podcast. It could have been the one here in in our like my wardrobe that doesn't close, but it also could be um, one of the ones in the kitchen or the, one in my son's room. In fact, there's no shortage of doors in this house that don't close, probably, <laughs> including our front door, <laughs> because there's so much clay under this house. Right, it moves yeah. enormously. Like we, yeah, there's massive cracks one month and then a few months later it's they're closed up again what, yeah what cracks it's in the wall like yeah well yeah exactly uh but what that means is um we actually have to like pull the hinges off our front door every now and again and put shim- <laughs> shims in there <laughs> so that the door can open and shut properly <laughs> because the door frame moves around the door cheapers home ownership's awesome Stephen. <laughs> is it any wonder is it any wonder why you get uh, your bike stolen. <laughs> well, that's it. it's just—it's just one extra thing I don't have time to pay attention to, Stephen, because I'm busy figuring out whether or not the door's going to shut. I mean, how can I be expected to remember to move my bike from like the front of my house, where it's clearly visible from the street, to just around the other side of my house, which is about you know, 15 meters away, where it's you know safe and secure? I mean, I can't remember everything all at once, Stephen. And look, fair enough too, Dave. <sighs> Boy. Uh, do, you, do you reckon we should buy him a new bike? Oh, hell no. Well, yeah, well yeah. kind of. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the question is, without being indelicate, did it cost you a heap of money to nah, start we with? We got it at Aldi. All right. And, so, and, and you know what? I'm, <laughs> at the time, the reason that we bought it from Aldi was, one, because I had this horrible fear that we would buy an expensive bike that, that Rupert would never ride. And two, I don't, you know, if I'm going to spend big money on something, I'd, I'd rather be on myself than my children. I'll be fairly blunt there. <laughs> uh, so, but I was you know, triply happy when the stolen bike was an Audi one, not something that had like you know a, a four-figure price tag from uh, one of the specialist bike stores. Yes, mm. like a giant or a yeah, or something, a, or a something specialized or a trick. 
They're very Uber snazzy mega bikes. expensive. Oh yeah, they are. And you know, look, he he rides it like a kilometre and a half from our house to his school. Yeah, it's not exactly. I mean, let, let me tell you, the the shock absorbers and the multiple gears and all of the cool stuff, even the disc brakes on his bike, really not getting much of a workout in its usual usage. Uh, we we actually have really great mountain biking spots here, like literally in the middle of Albury. Like there's a um, Malcan Hill is, is a a, bit, a range that runs uh, in between uh, the centre of town and West Albury, and there's great mountain biking up there. Uh, and his bike has never turned a wheel in anger in that direction, <laughs> not once. No, look. Does Roop earn pocket money or, or have a job? Well, no, he earns a bit of pocket money, but that's all... Well, most of that's going to repairing the smashed screen on his phone, so... Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, so that... And He's in a difficult spot, right? Cause he if it was, really is. If it was mine, I'd be saying, right, well, because independent of time and all of the things, you are the one that didn't lock it up, so you have to take some ownership of this, so this has to cost you somehow. But the catch is when your phone is also broken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I understand yeah. where priorities lie. So I'm going halves with him on the phone screen. Well, you are a good dad. He's oh, got money to burn then. Oh, yeah. But that also means that there's no chance that he's getting a, getting a bike before Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. We, 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 we've, we've softened the blow by saying not before Cambodia, but it's not happening before Christmas. Yeah. Well, it, well, but that's the other thing, right? He's also got a Cambodia trip he's staring yeah. down. And look, and, and here's the other thing. It's... I, it's, I can't give him another bike until Aldi, Aldi like, sell it again. It's not yeah, like, until they have bike season. It's not like it's there at the moment. Can't no. just rock back up again and go, oh, I want that map. No, it's not coming. It's not coming back for a while. So, uh, Christmas well, we again. Ponder, well, we ponder Christmas, Dave. Mm. I am um, I'm in a bind. My, the man-child within me is struggling. Mm. Um, Lego is my creative mind blank retreat so if i want to just really chill out that is not television that is not thinking reading Mm -hmm. theology any of that and also because i'm not arty like the ability to open up a lego manual and go put this block here put Mm. this block Mm -hmm. there and then have the outcome being oh it looks like the thing it's supposed to look like great Mm. that's what i want i I share that i share that with you in in, in fact Stephen, the aforementioned ikea shelving has uh, three separate Lego sets on it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, look, we even have it in, on display in, in a public part of our house. So I can absolutely, mm. I, sh- I share your feelings. My, the difficulty for me is that my tastes, uh, they're only expensive because I will chew through even a, one of your bigger sets in an afternoon. Oh, yeah. Like, like, I just get so into it. It's like, no, no, I'm doing this to the point of not eating, which is a rarity for me. Um, I will plow in and build it and I'll start it and I'll, it doesn't matter if I go to it. I'm building that damn set. Love it, love it, love it. Um, there there have been two sets, one that was released, released late last year, one that is about to be released, that I'm coveting way more than I should. Um, uh, let me guess. Saturn V Rocket? No. Ooh. Uh, and... That would be my guess for the one that was already released. Because, mm. I, God, I want that so much. I've it's, seen it. It's a it great is set. so awesome. And there's yeah. literally nowhere in my house that you could fit it. Uh, and let me guess, uh, Hogwarts. You've got that one. Yeah. So they have released, or about to release, 1st of September, 650 Australian dollars. Um, Hogwarts Castle. But it's not a 
mini fig sized ones. So not the normal Lego figure no, no. sized one. Yep. It's they've micro figs. Yep. And they're micro figs, but they have movable arms. It's all still fun. They have characters that look like things. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've also got full size mini figs of Godric Gryffindor, Helga Hufflepuff, Ooh. Salazar Slytherin, and Rowena Ravenclaw. So in their outfits with the crests, everything. It looks amazing. So so does it come with a Quidditch field? Um, look, I, I don't think so, Ooh. but it does come with a Whomping Willow. Oh, it nice. does come with a, with a Room of Requirement, the Great Hall, all of the, all of the rooms within mm-hmm. um, Hogwarts that we've seen in the books and films. Wow. Um, it looks amazing. And it is the largest Lego set they've ever built now, or ever created. So, um, so what's the other one that you, that you want? Well, the other one that I wanted is the one that previously was the largest ever Lego set they had made. And that is the Ultimate Collector Series edition of the Millennium Falcon. Millennium Falcon, Falcon. yep. Yeah. It's a little bit harder, because it's at retail. Yep. 1200 Australian dollars. Yep, yep. I've, like, I, what? I have two Millennium Falcon, like Lego Millennium Falcons. Yep. Um, I have the UCS um, Star Destroyer. Get out of the house. Mm. Uh, and I have... The UCS um, Slave One. Oh, Dave, this is why we were born to be together. Uh, and when I heard there was a UCS Millennium Falcon coming out, well, sorry, well, a new UCS Millennium Falcon because there was one previously. There was one previously, but it's not a patch on this. No, I was thinking, oh, this is right in my wheelhouse. Right until I saw the price, and it was just like. I guess I'll see that oh. at an exi- exhibition someday. Yeah, I can't even come at it. Like, I, I know my limits. Back in the day, if I was still on mining money, it could have been a possibility. But it's it's not a thing. And also, mm. I can't justify spending 1200 bucks on something that I would build. And to be frank, probably find a way to display. Mm-hmm. Um, but then if I display it, I don't get the fun of ripping it down and building it again. Well, well here's the thing. My UCS um, Star Destroyer, has never been displayed for more than a day or two because yep. it is so big. Yeah, like, oh, it's it, huge. It's enormous. I know the set. It is huge. It's, like, there literally is nowhere inside my house that you can keep it. it. It's just, you put it together, you go, oh, that was fun, and then just tear it to pieces and put it back in its box. Like, it's, the, the Lego Hogwarts is 6,020 pieces. <laughs> That's pretty good. As opposed to, let's go to Lego UCS Falcon, just because I can't remember. I thought it was... Yeah, Hobby Warehouse, I have them at, at $1,180. Wow. Brick Builder have got them at 1400 Because this is the other thing. I'm in a Facebook group for particularly Star Wars Lego nerds. <laughs> of course you are. Um, and there were, God bless them, jerks that bought two of them. <gasps> Bastards. One what? for themselves. Yeah, one because it'll be really, and really expensive. And one to keep yeah. mint in the box. Bastards. That when this they no longer sell it, they'll just go. Well, I'll put it on eBay for eleven hundred dollars. I was wrong. The biggest one is still the UCS Falcon. It's seven thousand five hundred and forty-one pieces. Wow. Just what the flipping dipping. Uh, but uh, and I'm I'm trying to work well, out and how, justify in my how, head how, how many, I can how make that pieces? be a thing. How can I crowdsource, crowdfund? <laughs> just give me the Lego Castle, guys. Mm. The Lego Hogwarts Castle. I love everyone. <laughs> I love you. We do all this content for nothing. Buy me a freaking Lego castle, you people. 
That's not contra- that's not even close to believable. No, no. Tell me how that works out for you. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Um, ha- Everyone chip in and not buy me one. So what 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 side are you looking at to figure out how many parts are in different things? Oh, I, I, I was just be, flat. I'd be fascinated yes. to know how many parts are in the UCS Star Destroyer because it's got it's really weird. It's got lots and lots of big panel pieces, but then it's got like heaps of decorative stuff which is just tiny and yeah. Brickpedia is usually pretty good. Oh, come on, find it out for me. Come on. Yeah, I'm doing it. Come on, nerd I'm doing boy. it. You're, you're, the, you're the Wikipedia This is set genius. number 10030. That is it. Imperial Star Destroyer, 3,104. Okay. Oh, you knock it off in an afternoon these days. Mate. It's nothing. Wouldn't even break a sweat over that. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, yeah, it went from being top of the heap to just another, an also ran. So much grey too. So much oh. grey. <laughs> yes, there is a lot of grey Lego in that box. I mean, even even when we talk about the UCS Falcon, right? There's hints of colour, lots of grey. Mm. Mm. <sighs> <laughs> Love Lego far too much. It's not cool. <laughs> it is cool. It's great. In fact, m- most well, most of Rupert's Lego is actually my old Lego, um, which I've. I think I've told you I've only got half of my old Lego I don't know mm. where the other half is and it it, it pains me to this day because you know my, my mum is a hoarder yes like not clinical but close um, and <laughs> and of all the things like of all the things that are boxed up hidden that are in their under their house are in storage sheds like all this sort of stuff amongst all of that we've looked through it you would think the one thing that might have survived would be my Lego. No. And I have, a, I have this suspicion that mum, in a uh, fit of generosity, shall we say, at some point uh, after I left home, probably gave it to some other family who she thought could get more use out of it than I could. And, and is just refused, has either forgotten that she did it or is just refusing to tell me. And uh, so I have no proof, Stephen, but I know my mum. <laughs> And it, it just it begs belief <laughs> that this massive, massive uh, box full of Lego could somehow mm. vanish. Yeah. Meanwhile, when we were sorting through stuff at, uh, at her house a couple of Christmases ago, we found like used pieces of carbon paper that she was keeping because get this, Steve, you can't get it anymore. <laughs> You know why you can't get any carbon paper anymore, Stephen? Because no one needs carbon paper. Amen. Preach that, brother. Yeah, so she has pieces of carbon paper, but she doesn't have my massive, massive box of Lego. You, you want to know the biggest scam that I learned? Well, I, we should probably finish on this story. <laughs> Just realize. should probably finish, yes. Um, we, this is this is more epic than last time. Oh dear, um, it's getting we're getting worse. We are getting. I apologise. It's because I fell too quickly into the Wikipedia hole. Um, <laughs> we shouldn't do it. We shouldn't go there. So the Hogwarts Castle, yeah, is six hundred and forty nine dollars ninety nine on the Australian Lego Shop. So I would imagine on your big W E Kmart or whatever, probably come in at around the five ninety nine if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. You know, five fifty if you're lucky. Um. One of the things that I learned is there, there, there are quite often some sets in the States, Canada and America, where you can buy them. And even with the conversion rate, you still come out ahead. The catch is getting them back can be difficult. Mm-hmm. Now, I never really got to capitalize on that, though I did buy 
um, uh, the Quickie Mart, oh, yes. which I probably should build, to be frank. I've got the Simpsons House and the Quickie Mart. I probably should build both of them. They're a bunch of fun. Um, for It turns out 100 Australian dollars less, even on the conversion rate, buying it Ooh. in uh, Canada and bringing it home. Right. In Australia, the Hogwarts Castle is $650. In America, it's 400 Mm, oh, and when you convert that to Australian dollars right now, five hundred and thirty-eight. Yeah, look, I reckon you're going to lose the rest of that. Dosh I'm postage. No, I would have to find easy. a friend that was coming over from America because yeah, I, I I used a, a freight forwarding service a few times for different things that yeah, like postage kills it. They they, they literally just said no, we will not ship this uh, internationally, and yeah, it's never been. It, they have been things that I really, really, really wanted because yes, it they, they was not good value in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, mm. I hear that. And and this is my if I was flying back, I'd get it and it'd just come come in under my arm. It would just be carry on. Um, but it's not going to be that. No. Um, limit two. If you buy it from the Lego store, you can only buy two of them. To be fair to all our fans. Um, but the thing that gets me is in like it's not like this set goes via America. Like they get it from Denmark, shipped out here special. Mm-hmm. So th- there's no way you can justify an extra hundred and ten bucks, hundred and twelve bucks uh, on the Australian price. That's not freight and profit. Don't even for a second tell me that. No, no. <sighs> you know, look, and, and the other thing that's frustrating is limited edition Lego sets. It's a mass-produced product to start yes, with. To start with, like the the only scarcity there is because you're deciding how many you're going to build. Like you could make twice as many, bastards. Actually, you know what I really, I really wish they would do in terms of like, oh, if I told you before what I really want, I really want them to mm-hmm. basically recreate all the sets from about say 1976. Through yes. to about 1986, maybe 87. Yeah, just re-release it. Yep. Like, because after about 86, 87, they started getting into some of, like, the... Re- like, that's when they started going The down. decline of Lego. Yeah, it's when they hit the time when they started having more and more custom pieces and all that yeah, sort of yeah. stuff. The, the, the thing that actually almost sent the company broke. But yes. if you go if you go back to, like, late 70s, early 80s, it's still mostly just square bricks, a few flat panels, and a hinge here or there. Yeah. Uh, like, you're not talking... Uh, anything too extravagant I would love to, uh, I would just love to re- and this is the stupid baby uh, stupid people who will uh, are like have, have kids of their own and buddy you know we, I would so buy every set that I had as a child again well, you, I, you yeah. just know I would did I not tell you this a friend of mine in Melbourne mm. basically got all of his childhood Lego childhood 70s and 80s early 80s Lego mm-hmm. and put them all together and mm-hmm. worked out what bits were missing and got them, them all. Yeah. Got the bits that were missing and is selling them as sets. Oh. Including the original space Lego. See, he, and... The his, original castle. Here's the thing. This, this, this is what grinds my gears about my missing Lego, Stephen. Mm. I was pretty good at making sure that I kept in very good condition all of my instruction manuals. Yep. I, what I had was I had a, uh, a box that... Uh, my Technic, uh, not the forklift. Actually, no, it was the forklift. I had a blue Technic forklift, mm-hmm. and that was it came in. Remember how the Technic boxes often uh, had nice, really strong sides and like a, yes. a flap lid. Yeah, yeah. Well, I used that box to keep all of my instruction sets in. 
so yep. that I could because I was a, a rebuilder like I loved doing a bit of freeform Lego work uh, but then I would you know pull it all to bits and I would go back and I'd put all my original sets back together yep um, and that is also missing it's gone yeah so I do not have the instructions for all of my original Lego sets because otherwise and look it may be a blessing in disguise because I think if I did have all of those I would just be spending a fortune on Bricklink buying missing pieces to try is to this, rebuild all of my sets but I would I tell you they're all on lego.com god don't don't all of the original instructions oh boy Rupert's you just not... need to know the set number Rupert's not getting a bike now <laughs> It's crazy, man. I think because uh, that's in part how my mate put them all back together. Was that he just went to like he found that oh they're all here, and just went oh great. So I, all I have to do is this. I need to go. <laughs> I need. To, sorry, I got to go. I can't. It's all right. I can't stay. I've got to. I've got something really important that I have to do. <laughs> Bye, Steve. I love you. Love you too, Dave.